We're continuing our series in The Fruit of the Spirit as we look this week at the topic of goodness. The rich man, when he <clears throat> spoke to Jesus, called him good. And Jesus replied that no one is good except God. And what Jesus was trying to do in that conversation and that response was trying to get the man to acknowledge well why did he call him good was he was was he just trying to give him a, a sort of a an encouraging title good teacher or was he actually acknowledging that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah <coughs> today we call people a good person if they're better than average. But there's a difference in God being described as good and us being described as good. We call somebody a good person if they're better than average, but truly God is good in a sense that he is pure and godly. There are not many people who could be described as really good, totally pure at heart. In fact, there's none apart from Christ. A Greek philosopher, Diogenes, was one amongst many Greek philosophers who had the quest, the search for the good man. <coughs> Diogenes was a bit of an, a character, an eccentric. <coughs> he was known for going around with a staff and a lamp, a lantern on his hand, with his dog, faithful dog beside him but he had his lantern on in the middle of the day as well. <laughs> he was a real character, and he would go from town to town looking for a good person. And somebody would say, there's a good person in that town. You go and see them. And he would go and talk to them and get to know them and find really they were just better than average. They weren't really a good person in the sense that the philosophers were looking for. Plato in his most important work, The Republic, talks about the good, the ultimate good. <coughs> and he searches for the good man and finds that there is none. But there is the ultimate good, which is God. His idea of God is not the biblical idea, but his idea of God being the ultimate good is right. The quest to find someone who's not just better than average or even much better than average, but somebody who is truly good in heart, pure in heart. This occupied the philosophers for many years and still does to some extent. <coughs> Sorry. And yet Paul takes up this quest in Romans chapters 1 to 3. And he concludes that really no one is good. We are not good in ourselves, he teaches. Firstly, he concludes that there, well, of three different groups of people, you can categorize people into, think of a triangle with three corners. Everybody falls somewhere within that triangle we might be closer to one corner, but not too far from the other two, or we might be right at one corner or the other. And these three corners, these three poles, in a sense, 
Firstly, there's the openly ungodly. And in Romans chapter 1, at the end of the chapter, he goes through a list, a vice list of all the different things that they do which are evil. And he concludes, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. And worse still, they encourage others to do them too. We all know people who are just bad. There's no goodness in them. In whatever situation they're in, they'll find some badness to do. They make up, they, they invent ways to annoy people, to do evil, to, to do wrong. <clears throat> and they seem to really get a kick out of introducing new people to their ways, to get more people to be like them. Encourage others to do the same too. On the other hand, there are those who think, well, they're clearly bad, but we're not as bad as that. We're, we're the good people, <laughs> the morally superior. And yet Paul says <clears throat> that you may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. He's not saying that we're as bad as that or anybody who is not so bad is really as bad as that. But what he's saying is, his argument is that <clears throat> if you can see the sin in its worst in them, you can see that sin in its little amount in you. So when you're condemning them, you're actually sitting in judgment upon yourself. If you can point the finger at them, you're actually able to point the finger at yourself. You're showing that you're able to judge yourself and therefore you're condemning yourself. That's his logic. It's a bit convoluted, but <coughs> what he's trying to do is show that not only are they openly ungodly, sinful and deserving of God's condemnation on the judgment day, but those who think that they're not so bad, they're still not good enough. And then he shows that those who have God's words, those who have been brought up with the scriptures, they think they're better because they've got the scriptures. That was the Jews he was speaking to. Although it, it applies to people who are brought up in the Christian church today who think we've got the Bible, we've got the truth. You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles, the other nations, they blaspheme the name of God because of you. There's nothing worse, I think, at times when you see Christians who believe that they're perfect. I can do no wrong. I'm righteous. And they're just they're just not the nice kind of people you want to be around. They're awkward. They're self-righteous more often than not. They can't see their own sin. They're not humble. Paul concludes... As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. People say that the various different religions in the world are all seeking God through different paths. Actually, they're not. Their paths may connect with God, but people are all going away from him. 
in different directions. They're not seeking him. They're just finding different ways to avoid him. When Paul says that no one is good, no one is righteous, he's not saying that we don't do charitable things, that we can't be helpful. Thank God for helpful people. And we call that being good. But the good that Paul is talking about is the true righteousness, the true holiness, the true goodness from within. Even the most difficult neighbor, the most selfish boss, the most unscrupulous drug dealer, whoever it is, they can be kind to their own children or friends. Even the worst of people are kind to somebody. What Paul is speaking about is not just the actions we do, but the heart. Is anybody truly good? Someone might say Mother Teresa was a really good person. She did a lot of good things, but she wasn't perfect. There's times when she encouraged people who were dying to turn to their other gods instead of turning to Christ, to find comfort in the gods they were brought up with. That wasn't the right thing to do. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she wasn't perfect either. She was just one of us. She didn't need to be sinless in order to bear the sinless son because he didn't take all of who he was from her. (coughs) He was born both of the woman, but also the spirit. He got his holiness from the spirit, his physical humanity from Mary. So Mary even rejoiced in the Magnificat, her prayer. She rejoiced in God, her saviour. If we know each of us, we know that none of us is naturally righteous, naturally, truly good. We know people, we've heard, I'm sure, enough times, somebody will say, trying to justify somebody who's, they're a bit on the edge, you know, well, of course, they're no angel. A mother will often talk about her son, maybe who's, being found out for having done an awful lot of bad stuff was okay, but he's no angel, but he's not that bad. We try and make people out to be much better than they are. Instead of saying, he's evil. We say, well, he's not perfect. We try and make ourselves out to be not that bad. But even the best of people are flawed. No one is perfectly good. In fact, the goodness that we have, the goodness that is in other people, that's all reflected goodness. That's all God working through them. That's not inherent goodness. We're all sinners, all tainted, and all we do with some degree of selfishness, some degree of evil, some degree of anti-God attitude. Only God is good. When we think of goodness from that point of view, Inherent goodness that shines from within. Only God is good. Wayne Grudem writes that the Psalms frequently affirm that the Lord is good. Psalm 100 verse 5. Or say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Or as David says in Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
The goodness of God means that God is the ultimate source of good and the ultimate standard of good and that all that God is and does is worthy of approval because he is good. James tells us that whatever is good and perfect is a gift from God coming down to us from God our Father. All the goodness that we see in the world ultimately comes from him. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't have its source in us out of nothing. It comes from him through other people, through us. Someone has said that, well, just like we're told that God is love, God is good, as the psalmists keep telling us. Someone has said that as it is in the nature of water to be wet, Water is wet. That's what water is. Or fire to be hot. It is the nature of God to be good. He doesn't just do good. He is good. You're good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 119. Grudem also points out that God's goodness is closely related to several other characteristics of his nature. When we talk about his goodness, we're actually thinking of a range of things. And among them are love, mercy, patience and grace. Sometimes these are considered separately. But at other times they're considered as part of God's goodness and are treated as various aspects of his goodness. So God is good. He's the ultimate source of goodness. He is the only one who is truly good in himself. The good news is that we can be good in Christ. At the end of the day, on the judgment day, everyone will fall into one of two groups of people. Here and now we define each other, we group each other by what community we're from, what political party we support. We have cultural, we have political, we have national identities, we have social status, we have wealth, we have education, we have achievement, we have many different things that separate us. But once we stand before God on that day, these will all pale into insignificance. And there's only one thing which will be judged. Are we righteous? Are we good? The test of whether we are righteous will not be whether we have trusted in Jesus. We won't be asked, have you believed in Jesus? Many people can say they have, but it can be false. The ultimate test of whether we have trusted in Jesus, if we are righteous or not, is do we have the works to prove it? As someone once said, if you were up in court for being accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And on the judgment day, God will be looking, is there enough evidence to, to prove that you have trusted in Christ, that you are righteous? So we'll be looking at our works. It's an indirect way of asking, have we placed our faith in Christ? 
but judging by our works will be a simple way of separating the sheep from the goats, as Jesus teaches in Matthew 25. So how then can Paul say in Romans 2 that only those who do good will inherit eternal life? If we're sinful, if none of us is good by nature, if we're not good in ourselves, and yet we need to have good works, we're going to be judged by our works, and we don't have the goodness in ourselves, how are we going to get eternal life? Paul says, On that day he will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honour and peace from God for all who do good. For the Jew first and for also for the Gentile. For God does not show favouritism. Jesus says in the very last chapter of the Bible, Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Paul says we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will all receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Contrary to what a lot of evangelists might say or imply, although to get right with God we need to place our faith in Christ, we're not going to be asked on the judgment day, have you placed your faith in Christ? God is going to look for the evidence that accompanies having placed our faith in Christ. The good works that are empowered by His Spirit. Our actions indicate the state of our heart. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying and slander. Jesus says, our actions indicate where our heart is at. Our works indicate where our heart is at, whether we are righteous or unrighteous, whether we have trusted in Christ or not. The point of Jesus' teaching and of Paul's teaching is not simply to point a finger and say, you've got no hope. The point of Jesus' teaching and Paul's ministry is to give us hope, to give us assurance if we want to be good enough to get into heaven, that goodness only comes from Jesus. If we want to get into heaven, we need, we need Jesus. If we want to be judged as those who are righteous on that day, we need Jesus. Our good works, the fruit of the Spirit, our good works are not the basis of how God judges us. It's simply the evidence that we are in Christ. Good works do not make us righteous, but our righteousness in Christ makes us do good works. And we receive that goodness as a gift. And we live out that goodness as the Spirit works in us. 
when we come to faith in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive a new heart, a new spirit. And the fruit of that spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. The standard of goodness that will get us into heaven is the goodness of God. And we need the goodness of God to be truly good. And we need the Spirit of God to be able to do those works. And we need faith in Christ in order to have the Spirit. The question is, have we, each of us, trusted in Christ? Do we have His righteousness? Many people can try and fake it. Being nice is not the same as being good, having the fruit of the Spirit. There's many religious people who try and be nice. They know they've got to be be good, but they're trying in their own strength. They're not relying on Christ. In one sense, we thank God for nice people. The world is better for nice people than what it would be if they were evil. But being nice doesn't get us into heaven. We have to be righteous from the heart. And that only comes through the Spirit, which comes through faith in Christ. Jesus warns us because he doesn't want us to be mistaken. He doesn't want us to be trusting in something that won't work. He warns us out of his care, his concern, his love and his mercy towards us. He says, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Condemnation awaits all who are not good at heart. But there will be glory and honour and peace from God for all who do good, Paul says again. We want to avoid that condemnation. We need Jesus. We need to confess our sin. We need to trust in him. We need to receive his spirit. We need to become a new person in Christ. And then we will have the spirit that enables us to do the good. The fruit of, well, you know people by their works actions speak louder than words and the fruit of having the spirit is the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness and so much more it's only by trusting in Christ and what he has done it's only by having him live in our hearts it's only by having the one who is good in us that we can be good, that we can do good. Insofar as we walk in the Spirit, we are doing good. Insofar as we walk in the old sinful nature, we're not doing good. When we consider the evidence of goodness in our life, it's worth remembering that, as Jesus says, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can produce bad fruit and the bad tree can't produce good fruit so on the judgment day when God looks at us and he sees the goodness of the spirit that means that the spirit is there that means we've trusted in Christ that means we are righteous and only the righteous will enter into eternal life
eternity with God. A righteous person will produce good fruit. There's no question about it. An unrighteous person can maybe fool some of the people some of the time, but can't fool God any of the time. Niceness is not the same as being righteous and doing good works in the Spirit. When we turn to Christ, there are many different ways in which our lives change, in which we become good. People become more diligent workers. People become more compassionate and caring. People don't get drunk anymore. They, they have joy in their hearts that wasn't there before. Compassion for others. A desire to know God. Drawing close to him through reading his word in prayer. Sometimes when somebody is trusted in the Lord, they haven't had an opportunity to explain the gospel or what they've believed, who they've believed in or what they've trusted in or read. They haven't had a chance to talk about God's word. But people can see a change. They can see the impact of the gospel in their lives. If there isn't any impact then we have to question, is there been a change? Jesus said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We're not to do good deeds to try and get right with God, but having got right with God through faith in Christ, we're to do good deeds because that's what we were created for in the first place. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Paul isn't really saying that we should just love believers and really not care about anyone else. He's saying we should care about everyone. But he's just reminding them not to neglect believers. And there's a saying in Titus chapter 3 that if you listen to the sermons of many, many preachers, you would never guess that this is in the Bible. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to insist on these teachings that Paul has been writing to Timothy, so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. In Bible-based churches, the whole concept of doing good works is actually looked down on. But that's mistaken. We ought to do good. The problem is that we misuse good works. We try and think that if I try and be better, I will get right with God on my own steam. Our good works are not good enough. And we need to turn to Christ instead of relying on our own good works. But good works are only rejected as the basis of a good relationship with God. We get right with God through faith in Christ, not our good works because they're not good enough. But once we have a, an established relationship with God through faith in Christ, we're then to do the good works that we should have done. And we do them in the power of the Spirit. We are to devote ourselves to doing good. It's so sad to see some churches where 
even preachers, you even hear some of them on the radio, in the news. They're so focused on preaching on the streets that they've forgotten that the gospel is meant to make them into good people, into righteous people, into godly people. And they preach such a message of anger and hatred and upset that it isn't good news. They can preach truths in a way which are just not edifying. To the point where some of them get arrested. And they they are not good. They are preaching a message which makes people good, but they have they have thought that all it takes is to be righteous, but they don't realize that being righteous means to be good. We have to not disconnect righteousness with from goodness. We ought to not simply be content to be righteous. We have to live righteously. We have to live good lives. What does righteousness look like in our lives? Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Paul tells us to not just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Doing good means not repaying back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Regardless of what they have done to us, we ought to do good to them. And if we do... God's protection will be on us, as Amos writes. Do what is good and run from evil so that you may live. And then the Lord, of God, the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper. He will be our helper. Hate evil and love what is good, <clears throat> he reminds us. When it comes to living, having goodness in our lives... Some things have to change. We can't just say, I've trusted in Christ and go on and do everything the same as before. Things have to change. We have to focus on what is good. We have to avoid what is evil. That means that we'll have to change what we watch on the telly or what we access on the internet. What what are we delighting in? What are we taking joy and entertainment in? Is it good or is it evil? And increasingly, more and more programs are are showing a dark side. There's an evil side, sometimes being wrapped up as intrigue or a crime drama. But sometimes you wonder, are they trying to show that good wins out over evil? Or are they just delighting and indulging in the horrors, the badness of evil? Some things we ought not to be able to watch. <coughs> Some things we ought not to even focus on. Even <coughs> even an unhealthy obsession with the news is not helpful either. Focusing all the ba- on all the difficulties that are going on in the world. We need to be aware and abreast of things, but 
Sometimes focusing on the news can be out of a heart of insecurity instead of one which is at peace with God. Only God is good, truly good at heart. But by the Spirit, if we've trusted in Christ, we have that Spirit of goodness within us, that Holy Spirit, and we can live out the fruit of that Spirit in our lives. So, let's draw closer to God. Being good requires that we spend time with him in his word, in prayer with him, that we draw close to Jesus. He died on the cross so that we could, we don't have a barrier of sin getting in the way with us and and the Father anymore. We need him if we want to draw closer to the Father, <clears throat> we need to draw closer to Jesus. We need to spend time with Him. So let's live that life of goodness, not letting the old sinful nature get in the way. Let's delight in doing good and pleasing God, giving glory to Him. <clears throat> let's enjoy who we are in Christ. And let's let Christ by his Spirit live and work through us. Paul ends a a section in Philippians. And we'll just end with this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received. And then the God of peace will be with you. Lord, we thank you that you are good. And we thank you that you call us into your presence. We thank you that sin is no longer a barrier if we place our faith in Christ. We thank you that our old sinful nature is no longer a barrier because you give us that new nature, the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to delight in you, to walk in holiness, to walk in love, to walk in goodness, and let that goodness of God in our hearts shine through. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Enable us to walk in the joy and the holiness of walking in the Spirit, to your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen.